Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of Keep It Super Simple, an audio journal by me, Sochi Gray. This week, we will be exploring a question I asked earlier in the earlier last week on my Instagram account. I asked my followers, what is it that makes you afraid of dying? And mind you, I asked this at like 8.30 in the morning on the Friday, so a few days ago actually. And that's a really heavy question to contemplate at like 8.30 in the morning when you're just scrolling through social media. But I think that those are really good opportunities to ask those hard questions because they throw you off in a way that compels you to tell the truth. And so having posed that question, we're now going to explore the three responses I got and my own personal answer and what the things are that we can do to radically accept or embrace these valid fears or work through them. All right, so let's just get into it. So what is it that makes you afraid of dying? That's a, like I said, it's a really heavy question. Um, the typical answers are along the lines of the what ifs and the fear of having other people grieve for you and so on and so forth. And I got answers very akin to those things. So first I want to read to you the three responses I got and touch on my own personal answer to this question. And then I want us to dive a little bit further into them. And at the end we will touch on the fact that fear is fear of death is essentially and at the end of the day just our human brain fueling us to stay alive. And we'll also touch a little bit on radical acceptance of fear and the idea of embracing or working with some of these fears. So the first answer I got was the unknowns and the what ifs. Particularly this person was afraid that they wouldn't love enough or do enough or love enough places or people or experiences, which I totally understand. And with that fear, I kind of relate. Um, I occasionally get a hint of that what if fear is what I call it. Um, The next response I got was leaving my loved ones to grieve which I thought was a very interesting answer, but I immediately but I immediately felt like it was probably a very common response, which I hope comforts this person in knowing that they're not the only person who has that fear. Um, and the last response that I received was being afraid to lose yourself or being afraid of the loss of self that potentially could happen with death. And that one was also very moving and I'm sure fairly common. A lot of our 
lives revolves around our sense of self and ability to know, understand, and love that self. My own personal response to this was eternal darkness and silence. I am uncomfortable in extended periods of darkness or silence, or the idea of them. I have spent hours in silence, and I have spent hours in darkness, probably days at this point. I do this to acclimate myself with that sensation, which can sound kind of odd, but with that I want to kind of lean in to ways to work with and my ideas for reasons behind these fears. So we're going to start with mine and work our way back up the list. So I spend a lot of time both meditating the like traditional way and then meditating in movement and awareness throughout my daily life. I spend much of my time at my home alone, and in this I often will sit in total silence. I will cut off my phone, I won't have any noise going on in the background, the only sounds will be the occasional movement or noise that one of my animals will make, which is comforting to signify that, hey, they're alive, and it does give me that momentary reprieve that I can experience here being alive. I think my reason for being afraid of such eternal darkness and silence stems more personally for the idea that there is no afterlife. That idea doesn't sit well with me and makes me like squirm in my seat. I think part of this is because being someone born with a congenital heart defect, my mortality is something that I've wrestled with from a very young age. And the idea that there's nothing on the other side except for void concerns me. And I think that fear concerns me more because I've had meditations where it is a void-like experience. And... To be honest, those experiences in meditation are usually very comforting moments. It's usually a void of just this unconditional love and support, which, if that was the afterlife, I don't know I, if I would be super mad about it, but um, it is an idea that still makes me uncomfortable. Um, it was interesting to me when I asked my partner to contribute an answer to this question. He told me that I shared the same fear as he did, um, which very much struck something in me. He is someone who is very agnostic and someone who errs on the side of much less spiritually inclined however very open and receptive. And he's been through 
moments in his life where he too has had to really question and feel his mortality and he also dealt for a while with a lot of survivor's guilt from a fatal car accident that he was in where two of his friends passed away and it's interesting to me that him and I share the same fear of eternal darkness and silence. Especially with our different backgrounds. I was raised very non-denominationally, but Christian. Where he was raised very non-religious. His household was not a religious household at all. And he wasn't raised with any kind of concept of a strict afterlife or lack thereof. And I think in those two extremes opens up a lot of reason to be afraid of dying and then there being nothing at the other side. Because I think from one school, you hope everyone else is right and that there's something, and then from the other school, you just want to be the right one. You want to be the one that's at least partially right, that there's something there. Um, and like I said, and I told him this too when we were having this conversation, that is because that is why I spend so much time quiet and in solitude and in silence and in darkness because these things are neutral things to me alive they don't bother me but the idea of them being eternal seems to strike a chord and I like to wrestle with that because it's a fairly safe chord for me to wrestle with without kind of snowballing into any kind of catastrophic thinking. Now, the other answers, at least the next two, are very other-centered. They're concerned with loss, both for either themselves or for their loved ones. So being afraid of the loss of self is a fear that I think stems from the fact that we oftentimes, especially in the queer community or in communities of people of color or um, communities of just diverse nature, really, if you're not cis, white, hetero, and male, you often struggle with a lot of... You struggle with a lot of the fact that you have to build yourself or feel as if you have raised yourself in a capacity that if you were to lose the self, that would be to lose everything. And as someone who is trans and a person of color, I can kind of relate. I don't fear this in death, I think, based out of religious and spiritual belief, um, which is probably why I'm also comfortable with wrestling with the fears I do have around death. But for someone without that to fall on, fearing the loss of self is borderline crippling in a lot of ways. If you think about it too much, it's one of those fears that can really kind of lock you in place. 
Because if you don't move from that moment, well, at least you know you have yourself then. When I think of dying, I frame it in the context of transformation, of a movement from one plane of existence to another. And we don't know for sure what plane of existence that is, or what it looks like, or what's involved. We have ideas, and I think that there might be many out there that we may go to based on those beliefs and inner communications with our higher selves and spirit, whether we're aware of them or not. So, being afraid of losing oneself to death is something that I think we struggle with more so here in the physical plane, to be honest. Because when I think of being that afraid afraid of losing the self, I'm brought back to the first time I experienced what some people call like an ego death. But a severe, large part of me, within my spirit, transcended to a part of me that is no longer here. It just kind of faded and blew away in the wind. And I remember the days after that feeling as if the part I had lost of myself was both more significant and less significant than I realized. And it definitely was a level of losing myself, which before that experience I think would have been like my number one fear, having spent years developing my own identity and finding myself through the practice of decolonizing my own mind and reacquainting myself to the land as an indigenous person of the Midwest and South and reclaiming the title of ancestors of the title of the tail lands of Turtle Rock. Doing that work was a lot. And the idea that I had lost a part of myself that was really significant scared me. In the days after that initial processing, there was a lot of that feeling of emptiness. And feeling that, I think, really made me grapple with the idea of who am I without anything else without any single label, without any single idea, who am I in the simplest of terms? And in that, I think I began to kind of come through and resume feeling myself again. So all that to say is when working with the idea of accepting or embracing a fear of losing yourself, I invite you to both do the boring or tedious work of meditation with the self, but also explore guided meditations of different kinds, and also walk alone in nature. 
because it is in those moments that you both find the most of yourself and in some ways lose a part of yourself to the nature around you. And I think it's a powerful practice because it's a give and take. And I think in that it works with your spirit to allow you the space and energy to accept the idea of releasing parts of yourself, knowing that that which is truly and essentially you at your highest and best good is in fact never going to leave. And with that, we move on to, well, what if it's not myself that I'm afraid of losing? But what if I'm afraid of leaving my loved ones to grieve their loss of me? Being someone who lost a loved one at a young age, this fear makes me wonder if they had that fear too. I often wonder about the brain capacities of someone going into brain death. And I often wonder about the things that go through their minds. And I wonder when in a state of coma, what is it that makes you able to hear but unable or maybe able to use your brain even if you're not supposed to be able to. I wonder these things a lot from being young and experiencing them. And I wonder if he was afraid of leaving us to grieve for him. And I think this is a fear that people have because they know on a soul level that loving someone is the most painful thing we will ever do as a human. Loving another being means accepting that that being means so much to you that you often couldn't imagine not doing anything to save that person in any situation. You would do nearly anything to keep that person with you or to give them what's absolutely best for them. To experience grief is a human experience. It's the most human experience and it is also the most earthly experience ever. It's hard and it's gritty and it's rough and it drains you and sometimes it feels like it's taking you, turning you inside out, shaking you like a dirty rug, shoving you back into place, putting some things in the wrong spot and just leaving you there to slowly readjust and realign over time. 
And I think that that is the most beautiful and necessary experience in the modern human life. Because we have denied ourselves so many other experiences of the earthly nature that if we are to deny ourselves the ability to grieve, we are doing a disservice to the collective conscious of this planet, both human and non-human, but we are also doing a disservice to Mother Earth herself. To cry after one's death in some indigenous teachings is to send that person with more grace and ease through that transformation and to the other side, whatever that may be. It is a mission that should not be taken lightly by those who grieve a lost one. And to be the one passing, if you hold that fear of leaving them alone to grieve, you are only disservicing yourself. And maybe in some way you're disservicing them, but I want you to focus on the idea of self. And the fact that you, in death, are transitioning. Energy cannot be created nor destroyed at a base level, which means you, as a being of energy experiencing a human life, can't be created or destroyed in the moment of death. You can only be transmuted and changed. So... Meditate and feel on the idea that in death you're not leaving, but instead transforming to support your loved ones through grief in a new way. In 2020, a lot of us experienced the deaths we weren't prepared to experience. I began and ended the year losing close humans. And with that comes that grieving process that I don't take lightly. And the last thing I would want as a blessed griever is for the one I grieve to be full of sorrow that I am here grieving. Because I'm alive to do so, and they are not. At the end of the day, I think the fear of leaving your your loved ones to grieve and being afraid of the loss of self are interconnected fears, centered around both a misalignment and an feeling of both total integration and also separation. It's an internal chaos, and I think that when we sit and meditate with meditations aimed at working through shadow work and anxieties and fear and reframing 
those things in ways that are more positive and highlight the inherent purpose of those emotions. It helps us to begin the idea of radical acceptance and embracing of the very human experience that fearing death, but also accepting death, can bring. Now, the fear of the unknown and the what-ifs are, I think, maybe the most universal fears. Now, it says a lot about the people I was asking this question to that this person fears what if they did not love enough people or places or ventures because that tells you that in this world as a collective consciousness we have expanded beyond well what if I didn't do enough and we're expanding to a space where we're like but what if I didn't love enough and there's no real way I think to tangle with this other than radical acceptance which is something my therapist said to me one time when I was really angry about the state of the world in 2020 and it sent me into a three days of well that's freaking stupid and then the following two days of going well actually no that makes sense <laughs> the idea of radical acceptance is that you look at the thing and accept the fact that you cannot change it and from there begin to accept that it is reality whether or not you like it it's not saying you have to like it it's just saying that you're accepting that that's the way it is right now and that change is an inevitability and it will change in one way or another someday somewhere and then you can grapple with the idea of accepting it again or not as is the nature of humanity when we love someone I always approach this idea with the centering of the idea of unconditional love. I like to know the people I know inside and out. The more I know you, the more I love you. Because the more I know you means the more I know your shadows and your darkness and the things you hide from the other people close to you, but you trust me to hold these secrets in my heart. These are things that fuel the unconditional love because there is nothing a person can tell me that makes me love them less. And I want people to test that because if I come to a moment where I find myself toying with the idea of loving you less because of XYZ, that I must take that moment to then reflect on myself and say, why do I not love them the same amount as I did before knowing this? And in doing that, I always come back to the conclusion that it's not them, it's me. And that their experience or their situation or their past or their story 
is not mine to judge, but it is mine to cherish and to love because they trust me enough to give me that story. And if you can manage to do that with any story you were brought, then my friend, the question of what if you did not love enough people or places or adventures is answered with you loved as much or more so than many people consider humanly possible. When I tell people the concept of literal unconditional love, I'm often met with that's a human impossibility. When dealing with the fears of the unknowns and the what ifs in a concept of being afraid of dying, unconditional love and compassionate action are my biggest tools against that fear. Because if I am loving you as unconditionally as I can ima imagine, which means no matter what story you bring me, what past or present you bring me, no matter what future you foretell, I will still come to you with love at the forefront of every choice I make. And that being said, you must remember that love is not always the light. Love is shadow and darkness as well. Love is the spectrum of all things. Love is creation and destruction in one. Love is the home in which praise and grief pay their rent and live together under one roof. Because praise and grief and love are a community. When I posed the question, what is it that makes you afraid of dying? I asked this question from a space of knowing this, but desire to reiterate it, to remind your conscious of what your subconscious already knows. And that is, at the end of the day, this. Your fear of dying is the part of your ego programmed to assist you in surviving on planet Earth as a human being, which is to say it is the animal part of you telling you that you want to continue living above all else. So knowing that, the biggest tool I use in my toolbox against the paralyzing and crippling fears of death is to live my life exactly as I desire and picture it, trusting that all things I need will always be there for me, and knowing that if the birds will survive, then so will I. Because we are all seeds and sprouts and plants. We are all programmed to know and healthily fear death so as to keep us cautious, but to light a fire of curiosity within us 
that I challenge you to spark your inspiration with, to live your life without framing it around other people's expectations of what your life should look like. So that's it. That's the whole thing, guys. That was a really heavy topic and also, I think, a really fulfilling one. I hope that I touched on things that bring some light to you and fears you may have. And I hope you enjoyed this week's trip into my brain. I hope you have a sincerely lovely rest of your day, whether you're under an arctic freeze or sitting on sunshine. And I will catch you all next week. Bye.